Hello everyone, thank you once again for joining me on this adventure called PR Pressure Podcast. Thank you for listening. This episode is featuring my good friend and super talented woodwind player, Ken Thompson. He plays all things with reeds, clarinet, saxophones, all kinds of bass clarinet, berry sax, tenor sax, alto sax, every kind of sax, um, oboe, things that have reeds. And he's a whiz. He's a genius at the reeds and the woodwinds. I've known Ken for many years and I've had the good fortune of sharing a stage with him. He's played with many of my projects over the years, but he is better known as the front man of Gut Bucket, which we'll talk about, which is this amazing kind of in-your-face jazz prog avant-garde experience. I can't really explain it. You really have to listen to it. It's just a whirlwind of musical expression. He's also a regular touring and recording member of Bang on a Can Orchestra. He also has a project called Sextet, and he's also part of a really amazing project called Asphalt Orchestra, which is a marching band that does all kinds of crazy covers and also creates their own music. They're sort of an avant-garde marching band. One of their most notable projects is doing a the entire album of the Pixies' Surfer Rosa, which we'll talk about. So Ken's done a ton of stuff. He's really thoughtful and interesting, and we had a great time talking. So check it out. As I record this, things just seem to be getting crazier and crazier uh, as far as politics is concerned in America. Right now I'm kind of on a news hiatus because it's just not making any sense. Things are just getting just insanely weird. We have two sides of our country, one side that is very clear about the corruption and insanity that is being perpetrated by the other side, and then the other side of the government is just propping up this clearly corrupt and unstable person who's running our country. So I have to take a little break from it. Um, I'm hopeful that things will stabilize. Really, the only way out of this mess that I see is uh, voting in a Democratic majority, which will then get the wheels in motion to right all the institutions that have been trampled on and hopefully give America some standing of respect again in the world and also with its people because it's really a disaster right now. So we chat about politics. We'll talk about all things musical. And uh, we had a really good time talking. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with Ken Thompson. So please enjoy this episode of Pierre Pressure Podcast. I want to make sure I'm not too poppy. You, uh, you're always too poppy. I know. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> you're so poppy. That's a problem, yeah. All right. Well, hello, Ken Thompson. Hello, Pierre de Gayand. Did oh, you right? tr- you went for it. Yeah, that I was did. close. Close. I'll take that. De Gayand. De um, Gayand is better. It's like this. De, 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 de guy. guy. Yond. Oh, de Gayand. There it is. Ha. Perfect. <laughs> That's right. the cheater. You figured this out. I have figured it out. It's yeah. happened a few times. So um, I want to jump right into the song that you um, uh, wanted to play. You chose the song "It All Returns," which is—is is that from your sextet? Or yeah, it's the sextet is the okay. group, and it's um, it's a new piece that I've just toured in the past year or so. It's not officially recorded, so this is a live recording from when we played at Roulette, which was in October of 
last year. So it's, here's It All Returns. And it's going to be an excerpted version, I think. An excerpted yeah. version. Yeah. So if you want to hear the whole thing, you can... Um, Wait until, wait until it if comes I record out. it someday, <laughs> officially. <laughs> or if you're really nice, you can like... Just ask me. Ask Ken. Yeah. So here it is. Let's listen to it. This is another new one. And uh, this is one that's about the music, but it's also about the right wing. And it's called It All Returns. You know, my friend Ty here is here, and I, I told him I would never be political with my shit, and here I go. <laughs> it's not political, though. It's just a feeling. Thank you. 
like the R shortcut key. That's cool. R is good, right? Yeah. Short, it's all about it's, shortcuts. It's really you nice, got to yeah. live and die by shortcuts. Yeah. So that was It All Returns by, would you call that group the Ken Thompson Sextet? Sure. Yeah. So live at Roulette. That was amazing. Tell, tell me a little bit about why you chose that song for this particular uh, pressure. pressure. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, what well, I say all, at the beginning just, right, is exactly. really the, the thing about it that, you know, um, so I first, this is the group that I've been working with for the past few years. And we recorded a record that came out in the, in the fall, which is called Sextet. And a number of people mentioned that that music is kind of optimistic. Like it is essentially, it's not as kind of dark as my music can get sometimes, not as mean, not as crunchy. And, you know, it's just honest and basically what I was going through thinking about at the time, just had kids. I think that had to do with it, was maybe feeling that things were fine. Um, it made you feel good? I guess so. You had kids? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well. I, I alternate between sheer terror and feeling like everything's going to be great. <laughs> I actually don't think everything's going to be great exactly and uh, I don't know if there's terror but I think there's a certain amount of there's, there's got to be a certain amount of optimism For there. Sure. otherwise you wouldn't do it at all exactly you know, right? so, yeah yeah um, so I think that was I don't know if that's part of it I can't really explain myself honestly but the music felt a little bit I don't know less less miserable you know and a lot of people commented on that and then I, I started writing second set of materials for this touring that we've been doing in the past year and it all turned out super dark so and i think that part of that has to do with just the time that i was writing it which was basically starting a year ago now so the winter of 2018 i suppose in the era of trump in the era of trump um and but not only trump right so just so the, this this song title it all returns is really about um, it's two things. It's a play because at the the material from the beginning of the song comes back in the end of the song. Um, okay. It's just like a little bit slightly modified, essentially. Yeah. And it goes through this whole kind of journey along the way. And then you realize that actually what the, the beginning kernel is essentially always there throughout the whole piece. So, um, so it's a little bit of a play because musically that's sort of what's happening is a, establishing something and then returning to it mm -hmm. at the end. But it all returns, you know, the, a lot of this right wing... Um, you know, the, the fascists and the, and the despots, you know, this is something that we generally read about in textbooks, you know, and I yeah. thought that certainly at some point, maybe in the 90s or maybe even thereafter, we, I would say, kind of thought, okay, well, that the era, it's basically just North Korea and like even Russia is better now and like yeah. it's all getting better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then somehow in the past, you know, five years, what's been turns out brewing for quite some time, but suddenly it's not only us electing trump it's also um the rate the the right wing coming resurgence, back yeah. resurgence worldwide I know. and it's not only about us it's not only about europe it's also in asia it's all it's it's in australia i mean it seems like literally every country has this return of the right wing so i just uh in new zealand there was just a terrible thing right. yesterday though it seems like their government's handling a little bit better yeah they're so immediately far, banning guns we hope <laughs> or they we'll think see. they're gonna we'll try find, we'll find but out. that's that's super so interesting it also yeah. it all returns is kind of that, that history repeats of like, itself yeah, history repeats itself. and yeah. musically the theme exactly returns yeah, as well. that's cheesy, great i guess no it's kind of great of but also i would say even uh more immediately in america uh i'm listening to a podcast right now about watergate and like the tricks and the exact words that came out of politicians' mouths and the way they tried to cover up this thing, 
is the exact same shit that's happening right now. <laughs> right, it's right, like right, right. the tricks that the it, it just so happens to be the right wing yeah. came up with to get away with things that they know are illegal or just to consolidate power. It seems like they were written like 50 years ago in a, mm. in a book and everyone yeah. was like, here's what you do. Yeah. And here, Donald Trump, you're not very smart, but we've got this all figured out for you. So here's what you should do. Right. If you want to get away with it. <laughs> it's kind of an incredible thing. Um, yeah. To go, so I was, uh, this was five years, this is pre-Trump era, but five years ago I was playing in Detroit and got convinced by the guitar player on the gig to go to the, the Ford Museum there. I thought, oh, okay, whatever. And it turns out there's a lot of great stuff. And, and um, part of it is that there's this section, um, I believe it's they have the bus or a model of the bus that Rosa Parks. Um, oh, you know, really? Refused. Yeah, I believe. Was it's she in that Detroit? Bus. No, no, she was in the but south. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I think, um, yeah, Alabama I'm not sure the connection. Maybe just the automobile, like yeah. automotive connection. Sure. It's the Ford Museum. So anyway, okay. um, they have these right near that. They have all of these this exhibit about the KKK, and they have all of these kind of statements that the KKK made back, you know, in the the 30s and 40s. I think about what they are and what they stand for, and it's all this stuff like, oh no, we're not racist. We just think that blah 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 blah. And the way that they talk, describe themselves, describe what they're trying to achieve, um, in some way, it, it was very familiar at that point. And that was kind of before Trump came back, and it, before Trump, you know, won, and it was before it became clear to us now all that that white supremacy is this huge issue. Yeah. Just reading, or to me anyway, yeah. as a white guy, just you know, reading that stuff, and then making, and then you know, hearing the. Congress people on the right kind of talk the same, literally the same way. Same talking points. The same as the talking KKK points. Yeah, when they try to, when they were founded, basically to try you know? to make it so we, palatable. Right. So mm -hmm. we think of the KKK as this, you know these crazy people that were doing these crazy things. It's the same. The, the way of speaking about this is the same, and we think of the KKK as as what we learn in books, like the crazy people were burning crosses and this outrageous organization. And then you read what actually came out of their mouths and the way that they were trying to explain what they were doing. And it's outrageous because it's very similar to what we're... I well, so I, I want to talk about the song because it's yeah, yeah. sextet. And yeah, what's yeah. the lineup exactly? It's There's uh, there's a rhythm section. There's yeah, horns. The rhythm section is just bass and drums. This is, yeah. um, this is a project. So what I've been trying to do, and you've noticed that this is a long tune. Um, what I've been trying to do is to combine music that I would write for chamber music or for an orchestra or something like that with music with a rhythm section and musicians who come out of the world of jazz. Mm -hmm. So basically instead of what often happens in jazz music, which is that you hear the melody for maybe 20 seconds and then people solo for eight minutes and then you hear that melody for the last 20 seconds at the end. Mm -hmm. In some ways I'm trying to flip that on its head and have it be maybe 80% composed and then 20% here's your material for, for soloing.
Well, that I mean, that's like the biggest question I want to ask from you because that that answers a little bit of it because to me some of the music that that you make is just it should be the music at the star wars cantina because to me it's like the most um it's defying all expectation of of melody and time but not in but in a really enjoyable way and it's amazing but it's like whenever you think you're about to get somewhere that you might have a handle on yeah 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 i mean there are moments where it's not that way they're they're like really moments where you kind of give like i feel like that song uh wander wander angst yeah starts yeah, yeah. off as like a beautiful pretty yeah, yeah. like you're like i can do it. it's like to show yeah, people yeah. you want pretty i got pretty <laughs> but it but doesn't, doesn't last through the whole song no. then you're like i gotta i gotta smash it so great so i guess the point is how how that stuff gets composed is such a mystery to me it's just so fascinating i don't know how your brain comes up with this stuff yeah I don't know. <laughs> it's usually it's usually an idea first of how i want it to go like in this all returns thing the rhythm section is kind of going at a different speed than the rest of the band right, right? so i was thinking about okay how do i and then you have to figure out how to know is that, that charted sort of so do you yes. chart that that's, that's totally incredible charted. yeah so it's like God. that but that's what i wanted to do is have these the idea and i've been doing this a lot with in different ways with different tunes but it's the idea of you know part of, so I'm, I'm working I'm talking about the expectations of jazz and the expectations if you see a certain setup and what you think it's going to be like and what you don't expect is like the rhythm sections over here and the horns are over here and mm-hmm. it feels like they're totally separate yeah. and doing different things but it kind of works together but they're also separate so so that's part of what I'm trying to do so that that was a lot of like I think what if the rhythm section comes in like this oh what would that be and then I have to like map it out musically and figure out like oh what's the metric modulation between the the, the you know the relationship between these two things and then kind of map that out so um yeah it's that turned amazing. out to be this tune turned out to be harder than i than i, <laughs> I realized well, it was i want to give give people a background of all the stuff that you're involved in so right. you for a long time had a band called gut bucket Are, yes. is that still going on it's not not going on it's a really amazing um four piece four piece yeah. so it's it's like this punk jazz in, improvisational um, monster yeah. and it's amazing and it's like really aggressive and all over the place and then super tight and just people have to check it out it's insane and um, that you've been doing that for a million years and that's got this really rock like kind of punk rock thing going on and I feel like as you've gotten you've started to do more and more different things you got involved with um, I don't know the order of everything there's slow fast yeah and there's the sextet yeah and then there's bang on a can which right. you're playing with the bang on a can orchestra now and then there's Asphalt Orchestra, which is right. a marching band, and I want to talk about all those things, but okay. it seems like the um, Gut Bucket's like the most aggressively punk kind of yeah. one, and then there's elements of that that show up in all the other stuff you're doing, but it's you're exactly growing right. up and you're a dad now, so maybe you're not as much of a punk, and you don't have as much to scream about. I don't know, man. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> Thank you. 
I think Gut Bucket so much uh, became that band for me that I that I was able to just sort of put that in that closet in a way. So it's actually kind of a bummer for me that we're not playing that much right now, just because everyone's so it's the old everyone's old issue that everyone's mm-hmm. just so busy. You know? Yeah, it's um, such a great band. I mean, but it's but to some degree, I put that like okay, that's the band where we're gonna do this. We're gonna be really aggressive and do all that kind of stuff, and then you know, in this other stuff I can be aggressive if I want to be but often it's not that aggressive because I feel like I don't have to be mm-hmm. you know I'm not required to when did that. Gut Bucket start 1999 did you move here from I, I don't even so know I went it. to school I went to school here I went to um, Columbia here okay and for music for yeah wound up being for music but yeah. it's not really music school it's just like right. a, it's no, college yeah so um, I've heard of I'm, it <laughs> uh, and I met um and basically, that band came out of a band that I was doing at in Columbia. college. Yeah, and so to our guitar player, actually the same guy who I referred to at the beginning of it all returns, my friend Ty, um, I've known since 1995. So he's also in the sex. He's, no, he's the guitarist in Gut Bucket. Right, but he's not yeah, in the sex. He's not. There's no. There's no. There's no chord instrument in the sex. Oh right, because you say yeah. Ty always tells yeah, yeah. me not to get political. Or, well, no, or, there was this whole. So there was this whole thing that came up in Gut Bucket, whereas Ty kept putting all of these political titles on his tunes and then we kind of got cranky about it because we're like oh, oh so now all of us are representing like your particular version yeah. of politics and like you know the one that was like a really big fight was um uh was this tune called another world is possible i know i know that one yeah it's on uh yeah i think it's on i don't remember what dry hump, it's on dry so beyond dry humping just say right Dream, now which we yeah, actually we all that's like my that favorite title. like yeah. t- title of any it's a re- it's the record title right and also a song title it's just the best thing ever so you didn't come up with that though ty is gonna k- take credit for that for which dry humping the american no, dream no, that was a that was a group effort it's was, fucking yeah amazing. someone thought of humping the american dream and then <laughs> someone added dry and that was the perfect <laughs> you know i'm not sure if ty even likes that title um, but anyway, this is called uh, another is world. Called is another possible. world is possible, which you know it's a it's a totally great song and it's all great. But there was a huge band argument. We were also younger and tended to argue more about mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, and so it was like this thing where, you know, we said, oh, what the, you know, this is like this cheesy sentiment that comes out of protest culture, and like, oh, great, are we now that? Are we the band representing that and that kind of thing? You know, you're Bob Dylan of the uh acid (laughs) punk jazz movement right (laughs) so it was a huge discussion and so it's funny and literally it came to me when um so if it's my own music i feel like i can just say whatever i'm thinking and i'm I'm kind of in many ways like in a very sort of emotional writer in the sense that when i'm writing music it's just whatever is kind of around me at the time is what i'm inspired by which Mm -hmm. i think probably something familiar to you you know it's like okay what's happening in my world and i'm gonna write something that is coming out of that just not deliberately, but just because that's what it is. So, so sometimes it started to get a little darker and just more political because it's so fucking hard to avoid at this yeah. moment, you know. So I think part of it is that, uh, you know, so I'm standing up there and I'm saying this like kind of political thing that I've been kind of thinking about and clarifying as we've been playing the piece and. And I look out there and there's Ty and I'm remembering these arguments we had like 15 years ago. Where he wanted to be political. Where he wanted to be political and I was not really sure about it. The tables have turned. And that's that's why I had to say, that's why I kind of paused and saw him sitting there. I'm like, oh man, I got to say something about this. But the title, there's so many amazing titles. And and now that you say Ty was responsible for a lot of the political ones, because I think a lot of stuff um, sounds political to me. Uh, 
Well, White America Suite. Oh, that's totally part Thai. three. It's completely that's Thai. Thai. That's totally okay. Thai. Yeah, and it's an amazing song. I mean, right. God, it's all over. And and then there's of course Dry Humping the American Dream. Rumbledink. Also tight. I think you like his. I think you like his. <laughs> Circadian uh, mindfuck. I mean, no, I just love it. these yeah, titles, yeah, yeah. man. They're hilarious. They. And then I also love your your t-shirts. You guys <laughs> made really good t-shirts. One of which I still have. It's a. It's, it's a sheep knitting its own tie out right. of its uh, wool. own wool. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Which is yeah, but that's like a perfect road story, and you have a million of those. Which is like we showed up in Bern in Switzerland one yeah. day, and this guy had done this incredible poster. We're like, who is this guy? And can yeah. we meet him? And can he? And then he's like done a bunch of our record covers since then. Which oh is man, so he's cool. great. Yeah. Um, and the re- the record covers are amazing too. I think there's one of like a bird flying with like its its own foot in its mouth yeah its beak yeah it's like a cannibal i don't know if it's its foot or another something yeah yeah yeah, but yeah exactly but so getting back to the titles though it's interesting because you're the first um instrumental composer that i've talked to on this show and so everyone you know else is is create is writing lyrics and so lyrics are obviously uh verbal (laughs) you're making music that has something to you obviously has meaning to you um, when you're writing it and it has needs to have a title yeah but maybe it doesn't or it does or does the title come at the end or are you thinking this is what I was thinking it's about usually when coming I wrote at, this? it's usually coming at the end right yeah, for me but it's know. important enough to have a title yeah I think it needs things need for exactly the reason you said I mean we don't get the we don't get well I don't know I guess we get both right so we get the we don't get the benefit of having words to say, oh, this is what this is about, everyone. Like, hey, guys, this is what this is about. Right, you know. Right. But on the other hand, we can maybe more easily live in a land of ambiguity. Oh, for you know, sure. Which is what I like. Which yeah. is what I love about instrumental music. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this one thing about this thing. Right. You know. Um, and even and, if it was, it did. The the music you happen to make is always trying to lead someone somewhere they didn't know they were going, or right. not trying yeah, 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 to, yeah. but it does that anyway. Yeah. 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 So on top good. of that. It's yeah. good. I mean, but, it, you know, I think the best, you know, don't ask me for any examples because I'm not going to become able to come up with them. But some, but I think some of the best pop songwriting as well or, or verbal songwriting is also like not necessarily clear about like this is a song about this thing. You know, there's a, there's, two, also, there's you know, two really clear, two really clear opinions with that. Some people think that it's a, a total trap to write lyrics that make sense to everyone. Like. The best example of that would be like Michael Stipe, early REM, where he's just mumbling. No one knows what the fuck he's talking right. about. And his his album, the album's called Murmur, you know. And right. like it was, he yeah. was, he, he, you're not supposed to know. And it's a, it's your own song for everyone. Then I also love songs where the, this guy sat down or this woman sat down to write a story, and here's what it's about. Yeah. And I'm in it when I'm in it. But they're two totally different things. Whereas. With instrumental music, you don't have that. You don't have the choice. It's yeah. always so all you have in is, your mind. Yes, yeah, yeah. so all you have is the title, and I also feel like the title can't be that explicit, so you want to leave it a little bit open-ended, mm-hmm. so it's not, you're literally 
telling someone what's happening, but you're giving them a sense of a feeling or an emotion or, a, or some sort of words that give them give them a sense of you know even dry humping the American dream. What the what does that mean anyway? I, I, I would love anything, to know. You know Let's I mean? figure like, it out. What does it mean? <laughs> the American dream is like you know this beautiful thing, and right. everyone's trying to grab it and. If you're dry humping it, you're just kind of not really successful. It's not really into it. Exactly. <laughs> America's not really into your attention. I think that's essentially that's yeah, very, very much what's going on right now. Yeah. So I have, um, there's the friends of mine who are in, I guess for lack of a better world, the like contemporary classical world. And they have a... They have a trio, piano, bass, and like drums or percussion, and they're called Beethoven. So, Beethoven, right? Yeah, it's like Beethoven, but did Beethoven. you do something with I them? I wrote them. I wrote them a piece that's on their first record. So they their second record just came out, and it's just called American Dream. Oh wow! And I was thinking about that because you know, for us, I don't I don't know when that Gut Bucket record came out, but it might have been twenty years ago. Not quite. Yeah, you know. Uh, and for us, I feel like there was this. When you put out a record now that says American Dream, it's almost obviously ironic. Right. It's obvious. Right. 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 And for us, for some reason, and maybe we were just dumb, but I think we felt like we, there was still something to push back against in a way. Right. Maybe 20 years, there was still something there that we're like, yeah, this fucking bullshit doesn't exist. Right. You know? And we felt like we had to add, you know, we wouldn't have called the record just American Dream. Yeah. You know, it had to have some yeah. other. And so I, I thought of that because, you know, I know these guys well, and I was like, this is really interesting. This has kind of been a change in the past, maybe generation, let's say 20 years, right? In the past generation to say like this, this kind of way of thinking about um, our country and our hopes and our future has diminished to the idea is like all you have to do is just refer to the concept. I know, unless clear, you're Toby you know. Keith, like unless you're some super successful like country singer, that he might have be able to have a song or. Right. A, I don't, I don't know. His, I don't know. His I don't really either. I just, actually, I just, yeah. that just kind of, I was racking my brains for <laughs> okay. a country, like a very successful country. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's clearly going to be ironic. So you had to add your little thing, but I also love the fact that 20 years ago, you were, you and your band were in the mood to like say, fuck you through music. Right. <laughs> you know, sure. you needed to. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it yeah. comes across with like every note and it comes across with a lot of the song titles. And it's just amazing to me, like these, how these songs it's get not built. exactly a new thing <laughs> what's say, that to say fuck you with your music no it's, it's not, not exactly but, a new concept no but all, this but know? this music is really unusual like it's you and the guitar player are playing these insane um what's the word i'm looking for where they're exactly the same notes um unison unison yeah. runs that go yeah. all over the place and are defying all laws of logic and supposed to be, time yeah, yeah and it's yeah, yeah, insane yeah, totally. and the rhythm yeah. sections behind it just fully like doing yeah, their thing it, yeah. and it, and i don't know like is it improvised or it can't be improvised because right. you're both playing it that's so it's clearly charted yeah, yeah. Right. so it's just totally blows my mind i don't yeah. know how you come up with that stuff yeah does it come up and you're not going to tell me no it's a I secret <laughs> like the band really sits know. together in a no we don't room? sit together no. actually we don't we don't we've tried that a couple times and it okay. never really worked out so what we do we will kind of mess with each other's tunes sometimes but a lot of times we'll just bring bring things in and say hey this is like this is what i'm working on like just check things out or like oh, is this working this is happening you know um and the cool thing about it is that we all take the challenges that we each write for each other so i mean i think the the person who 
has to kind of work the hardest in the band is the guitar player is tied yeah so i'll write all these things that like are kind of not even playable on saxophone and then yeah. expect him to do it on guitar yeah you know? so i'm like shitting about it because i'm like oh shit i can't really play this and then he's like has to leap over the whole thing and do all these things but you have to keep sense. breathing yeah. for t- 10 bars just, with yeah, no breaks yeah. <laughs> like, how does that work i don't even know how you do that know. you know it's really I crazy sne- i'm good at sneaking breaths actually. okay yeah that. yeah someone asked me once he's like oh, are you circular breathing on this thing I'm yeah like, no it's just like you don't, you know, if you just find the right moment, you know, well, you get used to that being a horn player. You're fast, man. I mean, I don't know if being fast is like a goal, but I feel like you I might be either. one of the fastest in town, <laughs> among other things. I don't know things. if I am. I can always point <laughs> to faster. Man, you know? fast is, it's, it's amazing. So where, where does like the punk influence come in from the early stuff? Like, is that you or the guitar tie or what? The guitarist and the, and the bass player, and the, excuse me, and the drummer. Um, Paul, our first drummer, was definitely like more coming out of that like garage band mentality. And yeah. I think that had a lot to do with what we were doing. Um, they had done that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Or... Where were you before New York? Where are you from? Uh, like suburbs of here. Okay. Really boring. Yeah. Jersey, Westchester. Is that where you? But you met those guys at Columbia. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, except the bass player who was at NYU, mm-hmm. and we met him through a Village Voice audition. Okay. Ah. Nice Village Voice. Village Voice. That was the thing. Back we had pages. This... The back pages. Yeah. Yeah. We were looking for a bass player. Yeah. Not funny. And he answered it. What was the, what hilarious. were you asking for like, in, the, in the ad? Do you remember? Not at all. Mm-hmm. But I remember we first got together and we played this Thelonious Monk song, but we just cause it was a thing that we all knew how to play. And then we just kind of played it for like 25 minutes and it got like absurd and ridiculous. And then came, you know, so we realized like, Oh, okay, cool. Like we can, you can, we, we can, can do, do this. something. So everyone you know? was already doing jazz. Like, do you, did you we have were, a mostly jazz background or classical? I have a mostly classical background. Actually. So how did you like, start? Um, I started on clarinet. My like training is classical. As a kid, training as a kid. Started on piano. What time? What age? Piano at six. Clarinet at, um, I guess ten. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That'd be thirty-two years that I've been playing clarinet. And do you still write on piano ever, or no, is that something not really? You I actually, I actually write mostly just straight into the, the um, computer. The computer, but not like in a live with MIDI. Um, yeah, so literally, I'm like, you put point, the notes I'm in. putting the notes yeah. onto the, the page. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's the process. Is that how something, like, even for Gut Bucket gets written, where you're yeah. like, I want everyone to play. Yeah, so you figure out what those, <laughs> what those notes, notes are. <laughs> and then you go. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. must be time consuming. <laughs> yeah, and then time-consuming. you're like, in the meantime, the drummer's going to be playing like a 7 4 right, yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah. over yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And the bass is going to play 13 yeah, yeah, or something. Shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I even write out drum parts, actually. That's fucking times. amazing. Yeah. I had a band in college um, called Creedle. I was in this band and it really reminds me a lot of Gut Bucket. I don't know if I ever played it for you. Huh. You would dig it. It was sure. all impossible time signatures, very jazz influenced, but going into metal and going. I played yeah. trumpet. I was like the weak link. I was the shitty trumpet player, but it was a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I'll have to play you some. formation of that group you know so we we all did play a lot of jazz but we were not like conservatory jazz people and what you would think of as jazz players you know okay. in that way we all were like kind of weird and didn't quite fit mm-hmm. you know and we also liked a lot of other music and so we were always trying to find music that fit all those things and um 
And meanwhile, we started getting gigs at the Knitting Factory when that was a thing. Oh man, the first one, the original, the second one, the, the second Houston one. Street one is when we oh yeah woke up the second one yeah. yeah. Uh, Wait, Houston is the first one, isn't it? I'm sorry, Leonard. The Street. second one is Leonard. Leonard yeah. Street, yeah, Houston Street, Leonard Street. Yeah. Um, so they had the tap bar, and so we had a regular tap bar gig, and oh, that's cool. when we kind of we and I figured out a little bit more about performing and what performing is because basically the deal with the tap bar is they paid you a hundred bucks and you played for three hours wow um, hundred bucks set set pay unless the bar did better than a certain amount of money oh that's cool like guaranteed yeah. hundred guaranteed a hundred yeah for the for the four of us right yeah to be clear <laughs> which was an awesome payday for four musicians in yeah. 99 yeah. or whatever exactly <laughs> so anyway um yeah, and there were like people started to protest. Is like anyway, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, so it's this regular thing. But the deal with the tap bar is that it was just like people. They had like three different performance spaces there, so people would basically get bored or whatever, or come out of the shows that they were already in. Yeah, and they I remember. Would be there and they would yeah. they would come down to this bar, and then they were like, the tap bar was downstairs. The tap bar was yeah. downstairs, and then. Basically, a lot of bands chose to use it as like whatever. It's a rehearsal, like a paid rehearsal, mm -hmm. you know, and we chose to make it a performance and tried to keep people there. Yeah. So the idea is like, oh, like I just discovered a new band, you know, of course, like have that be the vibe. So then the question is, how do you catch people who are down that? Like, how does that work that you can actually do that? And so the idea of performance, the idea of, of finding an audience and grabbing them is something that then we started to do. Because right? your your performances are are really wild and fun to watch. Right. You're all so over the place. Right, we're all over the place. Yeah. So like that's that's part of the thing. And is that, that when you started were you just like standing there playing your horn? No, I never was. Uh, you never no, were. No, no, you no, seem no. like the kind of guy no, who's always was. jumping around. I was around. always yeah. jumping up and down. But it's yeah. just like a different way of thinking about it and just like but you really up... learning to prioritize that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I like I'm the kind of player who I'll miss a, I'd rather miss a line and have like the, everything kind of work and have like physically it makes mm -hmm. sense rather yeah. than like get the line perfect and then like be standing like I definitely screw myself up sometimes because I'll like you know mess something up because I'm like going over there or like I'm like jumping up and down or and like, the you truth know what I mean? is like, not probably no, no one, one knows not one fucking yeah. person whereas everyone's yeah. like that guy was so much fun to watch right. he's jumping yeah, up yeah, and down yeah. like crazy but you're right. clearly still crushing it musically it's not like you're sloppy but you might jump around a little bit right there's slop <laughs> you know? the slop happens if there needs know. to yeah, be but yeah. nobody notices so it's it's pretty unique because it's like coming from a yeah a jazz world and just punking the shit out of it yeah. um i try to still be i mean your point is good that the the stuff i've been doing recently is not that like smash mash smash you know but i try to bring the same like kind of vibe and the same energy to it even totally. though it's not you know what i mean yeah absolutely also a greater dynamic range, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, yeah, but, of course. but also, you know, no, I didn't mean to say it's that. like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. elevator music. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. It's still completely like um, adventurous and all over the place. Mostly I think because it doesn't always have drums and guitar on it. Right. That's why it wouldn't, that's just yeah. by definition, not as aggressive, exactly. but it yeah, can be, that's right. you could make some really fucked up noises yeah. with, all your instruments. In fact, on Asphalt Orchestra, man, one of the things I love so much, that that whole project. So that's a marching band that started, I guess you started it or through Bang on a Can? You threw Bang on a Can. And then yeah. you guys did um, a whole the whole Pixie Surfer Rosa album, yeah. which is amazing, for marching band. And you did a lot of the arrangements or most of them? No, I did a few of them. I a think few I did of like them. three of them or something like okay. that. Okay. Like two or three, I don't remember. Um, and the whole band, everyone contributed arrangements. And I think we have one from Out of House from a 
from out of the band from a good friend of mine. It's like it's taking the parts of the Pixies that are all over the all different stuff: orchestral, aggressive, punk, dissonant, but orchestrating them for all these instruments. And there's one moment, which is what made me think of it, where there's like feedback. And I, I don't know what instrument. There's a flute or somebody's playing full-on guitar feedback, like exactly where it's supposed to be. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like you can make feedback. You can do that. Like guitar feedback. You can do which that. is part yeah. of the song that everyone knows if they lo know and yeah, love that yeah, record. Yeah. Yeah. And there it is. And some right. one of the <laughs> marching band instruments is playing yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. said you played live with the Pixies at one point or open yeah, for them we, we kind of playing them, their music playing their music yeah. well, how'd that come about well because we wrote them about um, we wrote them about this record and wanted to kind of seek their blessing with it and they said yeah it's cool and by the way we're coming into New York and we're doing these like, I think one of the it was supposed to be three shows we wound up doing two because one got snowed out but we wound up doing one in Peekskill and one in Newark where with them uh, like a big giant place? Yeah, New York was like NJ Pack or something like that. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. It was oh, big. wow. Um, so, yeah, it was a really incredible thing. And their audiences were, of course, like, what the fuck is that? You know, like, <laughs> we're totally into it. It was essentially it was a like surprise. a marching band playing. It was like an ambush. That's you know? so awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Did the, you guys, uh, I, you know, hang out backstage with the band? Not much. Was there any of that? Not much. Of, no, not they much. weren't like, they, it's like. A couple of them were super cool. I think cool. Kim is the nice one. Isn't she nice? Oh, she wasn't she in the band. band. She's not in the band she anymore, of no, course. No, no, no. no, no, no. But a couple, yeah. a couple of guys were great. Yeah. You know? um, and of course, it, it depends who, you know. Who talked person. to them or yeah, what yeah. the moment was. Yeah. yeah. That's really amazing. Um, I, think, I think what I really love about that project and what I love about Asphalt when we do when we're in cover mode, which is 95% of the time, is just, you know, a way of, it's just a, like, it just sort of challenges you to think about, you know, okay, I hear this, I hear this tune and I know this tune, like, what can we do that adds to it or makes, or is like, you know, to me, if like, if you do a cover and it's just like, I mean, you do a lot of covers, so you, yeah. you, I'm sure you have an opinion on this too. To me, it's like, if a color, a cover is like as straight or as authentic as possible, then you've missed something, Yeah, you know, because like, if it, if it's just that, it's like, okay, like we let me to, listen to the original. I'll go listen to the original. Yeah. Right. If I so, want it. Yeah. Right. So the question is, how do you make something that's interesting? That's a, that's a different version of mm -hmm. it. But also, you know, the, the real issue with covering vocal pop music mm -hmm. is that verse, if you know, you think about verse one, verse two, verse three, You've got different words, right? 
but the melody might be the same. Right. So that gets boring real fast. Yeah. So that's the thing with Muzak. That's why Muzak sucks, right? Right, because it's the same this, thing like, over and over. year old term. But yeah, like, Muzak, which yeah, is instrumental. Like, yeah, instrumental rock. Like, why that sucks is because you're like, oh, this is the same stupid melody again. Over and over. really boring over and over and over. So there's a real issue. And that's, you know, so first of all, there's a question of like trying to figure out the music that you're using as your source material. And that's why we all kind of, we, the band decided together to do Surfer Rosa and it like felt we all found things in it that we thought were cool and were interesting and worth talking about. And part of that, which you picked up on, is the production. Yeah, the know? production. So it's Steve like Albini. when it, yeah, so really like raw. When, right. Yeah. So it's like when in question, if you don't like how do you what's different about the second verse and the first verse? And then you gotta listen really carefully. You know what I mean? To say what's happening that's different here than the first time around and how do I represent that in a way that's interesting with horns that wouldn't they wouldn't hear otherwise you know you guys do so many cool things on that record like there's a lot of the Pixies do a lot of yelling he's one of the good you know champion yellers yeah. in rock and so you you orchestrate that all of a sudden maybe a trombone and someone else are like yeah. squawking that yelling yeah. with a slight in a slight dissonant yeah it's fucking yeah. perfect it's yeah. just like so great because it sounds like yelling it sounds like someone's yelling in your face yeah. and there's not really any notes happening right exactly I mean in the original absolutely yeah <laughs> So we got commissioning money, right? Because we are part of like, we come, the, the weird thing about this band is it comes from this like classical world in some ways. Yeah. Like Bang on a Can, the group that started it, um, applied for a grant, you know? So it's mm -hmm. like, it's pretty an amazing situation. Um, and so we were able to work with different people to write original music for this band. And one of those people was David Byrne. And so we got to work oh, with him right. and, and uh, St. Vincent on a, on a tune together, which wow. was super, which was fantastic. And that was a tune you did for Asphalt? And it was a tune we did for Asphalt. I remember Asphalt that. That he then came to one of your rehearsals. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. So that, that he then recorded separately for his own record. But Wait, then, you guys did a tune, a David Byrne. He wrote a tune for He wrote for you a guys? tune for us. Yeah. And then later he added, he and Annie, he and St. Vincent wrote lyrics for it and then put it on his own record. So it was like this. And like, then did you do horns for that record or for something we else with St. Vincent? Not. You didn't you arrange some horns? Yes. For so Saint basically, Vincent? so here's the thing. So okay. that, that tune basically that I sort of was a sort of a three way thing, which was really cool, which mm -hmm. is that they were kind of passing music back and forth. And then wow. I was kind of, kind of massaging it and nuancing it a little bit for horns and then sending it back around you know yeah. so for a david burnout for david no well this was for our tune right but it was okay. so then when he decides that when they decided to add word add lyrics and add vocals to it they were still using a lot of the horn parts that we'd all worked on together so basically that's why the arranging credit is on is essentially on there because they, you get an arrangement credit right. on his album exactly what album right. is that um, it's the the one that's the two of them together. I don't remember what it's called okay, anymore. Okay, cool, don't, man. Don't, that's don't, awesome. Don't so pressure me. No, but I think it's is. great, man. Um, I love it. I want to find it. We'll, so, we'll listen so, to but, a little bit. Of, can we listen to a little bit of it right now? Sure, yeah. Okay, great. Okay, great. Forest is true. I know for a fact that the bigger the front, then the bigger the back. My heart beating still through the perilous night. The bombs burst in Shifting of light on the trees and the houses I drown. Love it. But the other the other tune that I um, recent more recently arranged for Asphalt is uh, Once in a Lifetime. Oh really? Which you know of course. Has that been recorded yet? No. Oh my god. I don't know god. if we will record it. That was incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I didn't realize how difficult it was. And and in this is actually where I was going through this whole thing, which is that 
in doing this process, you realize like what a kind of genius he is just sort of quietly, you know, like, well, that even song like in that f- era, I mean, people worship talking heads as I do. Sure. And there, so there's been a lot of speculation and probably a lot of written about how those songs got invented. And I think that song, they're literally sitting in a room and each person is playing three notes yeah. for like 20 minutes right. or an hour and they record right. it and they're like, wow, it builds into this. It's one chord, really. Right. There's a little bit of extra stuff going on at the end. Yeah. You know, once some in a lifetime, which, the guitar kind of takes off. I think some of which Brian really, Eno added. I think Eno added yeah, at yeah, the yeah, end yeah, to yeah, sort yeah. of take it into another chord right. world, yeah. but it's not really in that world. It's right. in one, it's right. one key, right? Yeah. But all these super tense voicings. So right. how did you, so that must've been so juicy for you to jump yeah, into Yeah, it was. That. And it also kind yeah. of sucked. It was actually really hard <laughs> because even just trying to transcribe his like, try. So, I, so what I was saying is like in my music, yeah. you know, I try to do this thing where I'm like, Oh, okay. I want the drums in a different time in like a totally different tempo. So how do I write that out? So that right. it works, you know, so I, it's not like I don't do this, but like, you know, you may ask yourself, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. It's like in no, it's in no meter. It's, oh, in, it's no, in no meter either. Or yeah. key. Yeah. It's nothing. You yeah. get nothing. It's a guy talking. It's, it's a, a guy talking, yeah. but it's yeah. a guy talking just like, but it's, it's a not, you head. can't, right? It's just talking head. <laughs> but you can't, like, it was just incredible how difficult, I didn't realize how difficult it would be until I actually tried to sit there and do it. I was like, this sucks. And are you trying you to know? kind of keep up with the way it came, comes out? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's so recognizable. Yeah. It's so recognizable. that Even when you do it on a horn, well, all you have to do on a horn is have a tuba player go, do 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 and then everyone's like, yeah. oh, I know that song. You know? Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Can't wait to hear it. I mean, and so does the Asphalt play live? Does, do we guys... do, but we, we do um, like kind of project. I've noticed that the older I get, the more every band turns into project band. So it's like... You what know, does that mean? That means like... I'll call you when we have a gig. We're going to fly over to blah, blah, blah and do a thing for a week and then yeah. go back home. You know what I mean? As it's opposed the way to... way to do it, isn't it? I think it's You want to all live in the same house and right. make... You I know, guess, yeah, that doesn't really happen anymore. Couscous yeah. together. <laughs> I mean, that's great too. You know, I, I, I sort of am sad for that. I realize that that world happens less for me than maybe it used to when I was in my 20s that it was like okay Gwyneth, whatever let's just go let's just go let's do it let's do it we gotta be playing every week let's, you know yeah. and that you know doesn't happen as much yeah but you have all kinds on of on the other hand I'm doing plenty of things you're it's doing so like, much yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. stuff so you're doing Bang on a Can Orchestra so yeah. um, I kind of know a little how you got involved with them I think yeah. um, you've been involved in their organization for a long time and yeah. then they looked over and they were like that guy can fucking play Maybe we should Basically get him in the happened. band. Yeah, that's essentially how it happened. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you so you're in the you're in the group. You yeah. play, you yeah. tour with them and stuff. Bang on a Can, right? Yeah. It was was created by three composers in the late '80s, and it was kind of like a, some ways like a joke name of a, like a, a concert they were going to do that one time, right? And then it turned into this like organization that sprouted a record label and a band and like all these different things. So um, they have this six piece group that I'm a member of. That's Basically set up to, you know, they, in their own right, uh, broke a lot of barriers that I think we don't really think about anymore. But basically, oh, yeah. this is this is concert music, but the band is clarinet, cello, piano, and then electric guitar, bass, and drums, essentially. Mm-hmm. Also, he's playing marimba and vibes and stuff like that. And it's, it's just an but, amazing collection of, of musicians. They're all just outrageous in their own They're the great, world. great musicians. But, yeah. you know, the... Even the idea of having an electric guitar on a concert stage, yeah. like in the late, in the early 90s when this group started, was like, wait, what are you doing? You know, so I think they, you know, now we don't even think about that. Like right. Now it wouldn't seem strange at all, right. but I think they were in some ways kind of breaking that. Breaking Mark that definitely had a lot. Mark yes. had a lot to do with Absolutely. making it a, a, a thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Making that, inventing that thing. Yeah. So the group still has that residue of being like half like sort of classical-ish and half being like rock-ish, and it came from these three composers that still are very involved in the organization and the day-to-day with the band, whose names are Michael Gordon, David Lang, and Julia Wolf. And their their idea of like we came up listening to rock music and also writing like classical pieces or new music, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, and so we want to create the thing that's gonna combine these these ideas so what is the quick like description when you say this this is the, this is this kind of music like what is bang on a can what kind of music is it i mean i know what it is because i've i've been you've around heard, a million times heard, but i wouldn't know how to quickly yeah. how to pitch it is it new music new classical yeah i think it i think it essentially avant-garde classical kind yeah of, yeah i suppose so but it goes in so many directions but it goes in a lot of directions yeah. and it's just like a lot more free in terms of what you're allowed to do yeah out of the year not usually all at once but you go to a, a lot of really interesting places we get to go to great places yeah and definitely more seeing more of the world like my music and the stuff that i used to do was basically surrounding was in europe and was in america and that's mm-hmm. literally it um and so with them it's like oh i'm gonna see asia for the first time you know you like, go to like go to Uzbekistan. i haven't been i i've I you haven't been with them no they go to russia quite a bit yeah you, we've been, been to russia a couple them. times yeah you know, the band is like a 20-plus year history, so and I've been in it five, so yeah. I'm, I'm really still the new, you know, the new member in a lot of ways, so I haven't seen a lot of the things that those guys have seen. But. What's and also, most... like, we went down to Argentina. We've been to Argentina, to Buenos Aires twice in the past wow. few years, which is amazing, you know. So it's just seeing a lot of the world, which is really cool. Um, the only bummer and... thing about it is you have to travel with Kenny Savelson, right? <laughs> so, no, sometimes, but not always. <laughs> just it's kidding, true. Kenny. Um that's amazing. I mean, what a cool gig! And and uh, so between that and then and then you have slow fast too. Right. That's. I mean, in some ways, that's the precursor to Sextet. So that's the okay. first. That's the first kind of like leader band I did. Where yeah. I'm like I'm gonna. It's all gonna be my music. I'm gonna call all the players. Like, you know, figure this sort of thing out. And the the reason it's called slow fast and because we've been talking about gut bucket, we can talk about that. that yeah. Um, it's like such a stupid name, but at the same time, it's like Gut Bucket is basically all fast. <laughs> so right. It's kind of like, you slow hey, down a little we're going to do other things then. You know what I mean? You're like, gonna let's have, get like, a wider nice, palette. Beautiful melodic yeah. stretches or, or yeah, whatever, just exactly. very. So I not felt like rude I needed at the time. To, I felt yeah. like I needed to say that somehow. So that was that band it's, name. And then it's perfect. Basically, came in, coming out of that with the Sextet project, it's been fun to get rid of. So Slow Fast was guitar, trumpet, and me. Um, and rhythm and bass and drums.
So since you travel a lot with that band and the other with Bang on the Can and previous bands, have you found any? What are the perceptions of Americans when you go to the, these other places? Like, have you found a notable change in how people perceive America lately? Or Americans? Or do you pretend um, you're Canadian? <laughs> I considered that actually when we first when I first started touring. Um, when I first started touring, it was it was the Bush era. And I spent years, you know, second Bush. And um, I spent years trying to tell everyone that, you know, um, well, the Supreme Court handed him the election. We didn't really vote for him, like blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, he got like totally easily reelected. And I was like, right. oh, that was like a huge moment for me because then I realized like, oh, fuck. People actually you know, like this guy. People, Some people do. Yeah. So that's why, you know, the night that Trump was elected, I kind of turned the, I was like, I just turned it off and went to yeah. bed. I was like, well, he got this you yep. know, before it just became clear. Cause I was like, I've seen, we've seen this before. Right. I see where this is going. You yeah. Know? So. And it could happen again. It, what do you think? Likely. You think so? I think it's likely. Really? I do. Yeah. Why? We'll see. Uh, I just don't, <laughs> I just heard today on the Brian Lara show that they were talking about the the level of enthusiasm. So the level of enthusiasm among Democrats for whoever the person will be is the highest that it has been in in years, and the only it's only surpassed by the level of enthusiasm that Republicans currently have for their candidate. How do you measure that? I mean, what you know, the hell does know, that mean? Level of enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, because all that know. matters so, is numbers, really. Yeah, all that matters is numbers. I I just I um. It's easier. It's better I, to prepare I, you yourself know, for the worst. I think. Well, yeah, that's my thing in general, yeah. right? I'm a, kind of a pessimist, so yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah, it might suck, and hopefully we'll get lucky. You know, I, um, I don't know. I. Uh, so the, the thing that the thing that is most disturbing, and I'll get to your question about international response because I think it's interesting. But the thing that 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 to me is most concerning about the era that we're in now is that. You know, it used to be that we have these like strong partisan divides, you know, if you think about Vietnam era and like how people were at arms and just so, you know, divided. disagreed so, so divided and disagreed so strongly about, mm-hmm. about this thing. The thing that was different is that we all had a shared, we, I wasn't alive, we all had a shared understanding of what the facts were. Right. Right. Yeah. So we all said, okay, well, here's the facts. Here's what is happening. And in fact... We didn't totally know. Not it totally, seems, but it seems afterwards. We thought we but did. we thought we did, right? Mm-hmm. So now the thing is that because of the splintering of, of news and the splintering of uh, information, the way we get information, mm-hmm. there is no more shared facts. No, there aren't. And I'm not sure if we ever will see shared facts again. You we know? can't really fix this problem until we address that in some meaningful way. Right. I feel like Facebook is trying to deal with it somehow. Um, They've got a way to go, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wish them well, I they're suppose. a large yeah. part of the problem, huge part of it. But they're not, part of not it. But the Fox News is also a huge part of it. Sure, and it predates Facebook. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. They're not the only ones. Everyone who's disseminating information some way is right or left. To... Yes, and the, and actually, there were the all the Russian bots exposed that very well because they did they did both. They were on both right. sides of this, just trying to drive people apart, and very successful with it. Right. Fact, you know, um, you know, I I feel like the the world. And maybe it's just because I'm older. I don't know. But I feel like the... No, I, I don't go anywhere 
and people kind of accuse me of having elected Trump. Like I don't, right. I, I I don't see that anywhere. Everyone kind of gets. You're in a band. You're, you're gets, touring gets, as a musician. Everyone kind of gets it's the unlikely, vibe, you yeah. know. And I think maybe it's partially the places that Gut Bucket was playing, or that like if I was touring on the punk circuit or some of those band World Inferno, Friendship Society. Oh, you were in to, World Inferno. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Oh um, well, wait. Let's just take a little detour. Do, are you yeah. doing? They're doing like a, a reunion show. Are you going to be a part of yeah. that? Are you a part of that? Yeah. Oh no, no way. Yeah. So Lucky is How a friend of mine. That? Oh okay. Lucky Strano. So he's going to play. Yeah. When is I'm, that? I kind of got grandfathered into that because the guy. That's me. I'm going. I'll. I will be there. Um, that's going to be fun. I forgot you were in that band. Yeah. The velocity So I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, like the, the other horn player that I'm playing, one of the two other horn players um, is this guy, Peter Hess, who like I've known for years. And he like got, a new, got me into this band. He's one of the main arrangers in Asphalt. Okay. Is he, what does you know he play? Saying? I know him. Saxophone. Also, yeah, man, yeah. He's in Asphalt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's he was in World Inferno. Mm-hmm. For longer than me. For longer so than me. So that's like yeah, yeah. the connection He there. was my connection there. Wow. Yeah, so. Uh, um, what, what album yeah. did you play on of theirs? Uh at least two for sure one is red-eyed soul um well that brings me to one. another point. Other one, i'm I sorry i know one. we're, we're yeah, shelving yeah. this other th- thing for a second but yeah, yeah. you do all these other projects that you don't even really talk about but you you definitely guest on people's records and you do Great. rock stuff you've played on some of my records doing yeah. rock and some on the bad reputation project so you're really comfortable jumping into really more you know traditional and easier stuff it might must be like a little vacation for your brain i imagine (laughs) you always do amazing stuff on my projects and i'm thankful for it so thank you for that i play a um i play once a week in a gospel church oh really yeah uh, when I'm in town, it's a great gig. Um, yeah. And when I'm not in town, I don't play. You know, a it's lot like of this great. It's this great thing, and it is sometimes I'm so grateful to be there because it's like you know what? All I have to do is just play now. Yeah. That's all I have to do. I don't have to like read all this stuff. I don't have to work at all this stuff. I don't have to rehearse. You know what? We're gonna play. It's gonna be. Great. All you have to yeah. do is, is profess your love for Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a big thing for however they're play, much they're paying no i know a lot of musicians in town who do gospel church and they love it yeah it's like a really good gig and it's it great. seems to be a lot of it's, fun it's, it's super great so yeah. anyway just to say that yes in some ways there is a wonderful relief to playing music that's like that and i and i love playing music that's like inside like inside i guess inside. Would you call it i don't know i would say it's like, inside like, whatever it is you know um definitely my french folk music project is inside right and, you know I guess so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So going back to, I don't know whether it's the venues and the sophistication of the audience members that I'm dealing with when I'm when I'm touring. That's the difference now versus like 20 years ago. But I definitely don't feel that anyone is like um, pointing fingers at me or like 
you know, feeling that I'm like somehow representing America. And it could be also that I'm not playing, I haven't played like any punk squats that much in the past, like five, 10 years or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so it could also be part of that. Like no one's coming after me with an agenda saying, how the fuck are you part of this agenda? How are you part of this country and how are you going to fix it? You know? But then the other thing is that I feel like fewer other countries have any legs to stand on in some ways as well. You know, like, what are you going to, you're going to come after me about the right wing in my country when you're like, when you're Germany, you know, and like their right way. Well, that's interesting because you're assuming, up, you know what I mean? So well, you're like, assuming that people are going to come after you and say, you're not, you're not lefty enough. You're not right, fixing it. Right. What about the other way around? Like, aren't there, are there any people in your, in your world, like your family, whatever, who aren't necessarily lefties or who are Trumpies no. or you don't have anyone like that you, no. that you talk to. No. So you're fully in the bubble. I'm in the f- bubble. You're in the bubble 24 seven. Sorry. Okay. No, that's okay. That's it's a nice place a to couple, be. There's a couple. I used to be in it. There's like one. <laughs> then you moved. Then I guess, moved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one guy in this building who's kind of right wing and yeah. like you know a little scary. But you guys ever talk not, about no, stuff? No. no. It's interesting because I think that's the big problem with where we are now. We can't talk. We just can't talk. Right. It's right. really hard to talk to people. And I now that I live upstate, we, I have conversations. I have relationships with people of all persuasions, and it's not like we sit and talk about politics all the time, but. It's helpful to know that everyone wants basically the same thing and they have different ways of going about right. it. You know, it just makes it not so big and bad and scary, but it is big and bad and scary when you think that people are willing to vote for an insane person <laughs> and they may do it again. They may do it again. Yeah. And so what do you, do you ever, do you vote? Yeah. Okay, good. I know you, t- you look, you look surprised by that question. Yeah. Cause some people don't, you know, That's terrible idea. I don't know. I can't, I can't explain that. The um, I'm going to go to just one other thing, which just talking about touring, which I thought was really interesting, which is that um, when so you were asking about Bang on a Can and we're going to Russia. Yeah. So we've gone twice. And the first time um, that I went with them, we did like a week of um, sort of meeting with some local. It was supposed to be like a teaching thing, which I don't know if it was really successful or not. But basically, we were in Moscow for close to a week. And this whole tour like started. um with the like the end of the Sochi Olympics, which were kind of like weird and like kind of like this, like kind of a little bizarre propaganda like, fest, yeah, yeah, like just very weird. And then yeah. towards the end of the tour, um, they had, however you want to put it, but they have like were working on annexing part of Ukraine again, yeah. right? So it's like this very weird time to be there. And so I was watching their state TV, Russia, mm-hmm. Russia Today, which we would call their like propaganda network, right? yeah, and. Also, at the same time, like looking at the New York Times and all these sorts of things. And it was just so fascinating to see the language that they used being essentially the same language that we used, just like completely flipped, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like who the rebels are, who are the, you know, terrorists, who are the people who are like, um, you know, against the government and against the true way. And just Mm -hmm. looking at that and how they just literally in their word choice made me really question our word choice and the word choice of our media and the word choice of, you know, everything that we've been told. And so I'm, well, you know, like on on that subject, like no one who ever shoots up a school, like is called a terrorist in this country. Right. Those people are never called terrorists. Right. Because if you call them a terrorist, then there's very clear ways to deal with them and figure out how to get weapons out of their hands and all that. But we don't want to do that. So, but yeah, so it's a word choice is everything. Who's, who, who are the bad guys in this this situation? So, so that was, that was pretty fascinating because it made me Ukrainians. Yeah. 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 Well, it's right. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it was like, who are the, you know, who are the, the, the villains, the villains and who yeah. are not, you know, and, uh, and it made me question our version of reality as well. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, we have you know. two versions that are pretty much opposite and both rooted in fear, but one, I think, you know, there's a big, there's a lot you know, at I, stake. I really want us to be, you know, I, I really have always wanted us to be the good guys, you know, and I, I believe in our, um, and, you know, of course, the project of democracy and the project mm-hmm. of all these sorts of things. But, you know, the, the more that we are kind of stepping out of our role as being obvious good guys. It's really sad. It, it's just really shocking because you don't, you don't know where to go. I mean, know? I came here in 77 from France and it was cowboys and Indians and America was the cowboys, which meant the good guys, which right. I know is it's it's fraught. It's yeah. very, For it's sure. very complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was it was real simple. America were the guys that went out and saved whoever was in distress, and yeah. whether it means going to, I don't know, where what's a good war? Going to France, you know. Well, World War II, <laughs> yeah, World War II the, was that a good was kind one. of the bat, last yeah. good one, yeah. I would say. Yeah, you know, and saving people because you they need your help. It's been a long time since we've embodied that, but it's a night. It would be a nice thing to get back to. And I think when people say make America great again, they might they might be thinking of that, just like we are. Like let's be the good guys again. You know what I mean? <sighs> they just have a totally different way. I of... wish I wish you were right about that. <laughs> I don't think you but are. But the the way to do that is not to be buddies with Putin and Kim. That's not the best way to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, and the best way is just not is to admit what America can't do. And you know, I have a German partner, right? So I'm right. very like aware of a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but. What America, what we can't do is ever admit fault, you know. America not, America we cannot do cannot that. do right. wrong. Right. We can't do wrong, and that to me that's like step one, you know. And to me that's a, I mean, Germany is becoming problematic again, I think too, in some ways. But like, what they are very good at is saying, you know what, we really, really fucked up. Yeah. And we're going to teach all of our police officers how much we fucked up. We're going to teach all of our kids in school how much mm-hmm. we fucked up. Now, unfortunately, their culture is kind of starting to get sick of that. And there's the... Right, they're reacting the, to there's it. There's the reaction to that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not this like easy thing to, mm-hmm. to figure out, of course. But we have never done that. No, we've never taken you know, a Responsibility for anything. For whether, any of the right. atrocity, any of the massacres, whether it's the natives or slavery or whatever yeah, or, or all the wars that we go into for whatever reason that turn out horribly wrong absolutely <laughs> we have and never and, yeah. you know and, and we just saw to me we saw like this great example and this pisses me off more than maybe it should but like just because i fly plenty but just like the whole like you know the well, a you know boeing made brand new plane crashes twice and our supposedly regulating organization that was at some point the pinnacle of airline safety in the world says everything's fine what do you mean everything's fine we don't need to ground this plane everything's fine probably because they just did the math on it they were like there's no way we can give up this much income we gotta figure out some other way to spend this theoretically these are like the regulators right so but it's this is a very particular american even after the entire literally like the entire world grounded this plane except for our country right you know maybe except for one the entire world mostly agreed to the paris accord as well that's right and that's right that's another great example yeah Yeah. so i think but like america can do no wrong we're right because we're america right so how is that going to change that's the other hopefully hopefully trump will but but it's a sign of weakness in our culture to ever admit that something is wrong or that you've gone the wrong way that's a that's a sign of weakness. it's coming from the top down and we we have a person now who just can't is in uh, in god 
can't talk anymore. Except that you know, but Obama, like that. Obama, got whenever Obama said something that sounded a little bit apologetic. Remember, yeah, you remember like his quote-unquote apolo- his apology oh. tour yeah, yeah. that he made, in, like when he went to Cairo or whatever. You know, like this, what they call him, the apologizer in chief. Or yeah, something. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's what he gets for being like someone who actually thinks about things. But that's you know what? what he gets, half the you know? country thought it was great, and so that half of the country still exists. It's just. all those people have to vote and so with Trump I go back and forth I think to try to be optimistic about what could happen I actually now think it's better if he doesn't get impeached because I think if he doesn't then he can hopefully go to jail once he gets once someone else gets elected which would be amazing I think if he gets impeached he's just gonna I don't know resign and then get pardoned or something and then he's gonna be figurehead yeah so I just now I don't actually think that's a good idea although he should be because it's clear that he broke tons of laws and stuff but so hopefully once we write that situation, those attitudes that come from the top that are even just personality traits can start to, you know, flow in the culture a little more. Humility, you know, atoning for things that may be wrong, trying to find solution to things that's not just based on strength. Right. <laughs> you know, just based on I might. just don't I don't I just I don't think I've seen that in my lifetime. Right? Well even with and Obama, I think that even I feel like his vibe was that he failed. He kind of failed. He failed. He was. He failed, and before him, the last guy who was like that was Jimmy Carter, and he really failed. Jimmy Carter got steamrolled right. by Reagan. Right. He had to take the blame for the Iran hostages, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did. It's crazy. So you know, it, it's like um, I just don't. I, I you know, I What's I that wish note? that that's a heater. Sorry. Oh, it sounds like people talking. Are there people in there? No. Yeah, there's people in my radiator. Yeah. <laughs> nice. They're just small people. Though we got, Hello, Brooklyn. That's how we heat the house for cheap. we got people working down there. Oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> um, Germans? I think that, no. <laughs> Germans. Little Germans. Little like, Germans. Yeah, exactly. You have some little Germans in your <laughs> yeah, house. Though. Exactly. We do. <laughs> yeah. Half Germans, anyway. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that, you know, that's the big disappointment with Obama. And the, and the, and the problem is that he was not, for whatever reason, he wasn't in my opinion, he wasn't able to lead enough. And I don't know what that was. I don't know why that is. I'm glad that he was there. And I'm, and I, and I'm glad for his Im- attempting to embrace all of the, the words you just used, whether, you know, humility and, and thoughtfulness and all these sorts of things. You know, I, I am really grateful to, to that. But at the same time, I feel like we needed... Someone I don't know. Tougher. I feel like we needed someone... Nah, it's not even tougher. We needed someone... Not so optimistic, maybe. You know what right. I'm saying? Someone right. who didn't, who, who well, realized, so, like, you know what? If I don't, so dirty. If, if, if I don't, do, yeah, it's, they're it's not going to give me anything. Mitch McConnell's going to hold up the Supreme Court. He's going to exactly. do it. He, he, he didn't. He's, he, he bent over for it. Uh, Obama did. And the problem is that he. I don't, think, he, he, I don't is, think it was. I wouldn't call it that. I really wouldn't call it that. I think oh, that, the Supreme Court thing just hurts me. Oh, that, oh at the end of that the year yeah, long, yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. confirming um, yeah. Garland. Yeah. Oh, brutal. But. The problem with Obama is he was too optimistic, like you said, or too uh, saw the good side of everyone. Yeah. And also, just really first African-American president ever. That's huge. Like, he had to be yeah. cool. He had to be cool at all he times. He did. That's right. The second he broke any kind of cool, which he never did, ever. <laughs> In eight years, he yeah. never, like, his cool never broke. If yeah. he had, 
imagine the world of shit that would rain down on him yeah. you know <laughs> so yeah no, you're absolutely right so it's 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 unfair it's yeah. it is unfair of me to say that i wanted you know what i wanted people are like criticizing trump for doing these rallies i wanted obama to fucking do those rallies i wanted him to do those rallies and say like hey we need health care everyone get call your con he your kind of did person. he would go on tv shows like he went yeah. on between two ferns Right. <laughs> and like later on, yeah. I think he went on comedians and cars and stuff. I think that's what yeah. he was trying to do, right? He's yeah, I guess to, so. To I do guess healthcare. so. Yeah. Because yeah. to do rallies is just not his style. It's just, no. it's weird. And also, kind of a waste of taxpayer money, I would say. He would probably say. Yeah. And I, um, I could see that. Yeah. And that's what Michelle's doing now. She's running around with her book tour and getting people psyched. Right. Yeah. I mean, she did this massive book tour. She had a book come out. Right. It's you know hugely successful, and she did a tour all over the world. And I think that was like the surrogate Obama, like okay, we get to see Michelle and right. be happy right, right, right. and have a little bit of hope. <laughs> you know. So you've had your life has changed in the last few years, and that you've had kids. How has it changed the process for you of like making music, or has it anything changed about it? Because I remember you were a little nervous about it, and so yeah, was I. I mean, um, what's changed is really. Uh, is mostly time essentially right. that's the that's the essential issue and to me it very quickly people say it forces you to be more efficient and i don't agree with that i think maybe because i was already kind of efficient but mm -hmm. like i feel like it's not about efficiency it's just about what am i going to say no to what can't i do i feel like my whole life now is what can't i do <laughs> right ways, right you, know, you carve I, out the I, time that you can carve you carve out the time i mean my concern now is that is is um, finding the time to reinvent. You know, part of what I'm feeling now is that, like, um, I'm I'm always concerned that I'm repeating myself or repeating ideas and not like moving forward as much as I should be. So that to me, that's the concern when you have like five hours a day to like at best to do. You know, on day times, to, mm -hmm. <laughs> like day weekdays sure. to like do some work. Then my concern is like that. I'm not stepping out of my own head enough to be able to, you know, do something that's kind of the next step or the next way forward. So that, that's my biggest concern right now in terms of my own art. You have to turn it on real quickly. It's like an engine. It's like you don't get a week of immersive, like, right. creative right. time. You right. get these chunks where you got to warm up the engine real quick. Right. And that's hard. But you got to, yeah, you got to get hard. used yeah, to so it. Yeah, that's right. And then turn it off to do the other stuff exactly. that needs to happen. Yeah. It is. It's tricky, but so you, I'm, you get I'm proud, and I really like some of the stuff I've, I've yeah. written and done since having kids. So I don't, it's not like it's all gloom and doom at all. Mm. I'm just trying to think about, like, you know, I'm just always thinking about the future and, and how to like make good stuff, right? That's mm -hmm. what we're trying to do. Well, what's the I next think. thing that you're putting out? What's, what are you working on now? That's a good question. I mean, like, so part of what I do is write music for other people as mm -hmm. well, which we didn't really talk about, and that that music tends to be not improvised at all, just totally written down. Um, so I've, I'm basically finishing up a piece for clarinet, violin, cello, and piano at the moment. Um, and then I'm also preparing for, um, which is not writing, but I'm, as you saw, I'm in the middle of preparing for like a solo show that I'm doing this summer, which I kind of almost never do. So I'm trying to figure out how, what that would be like and how to do that. So when you say solo cool. show, what does that mean? Like? It means it's me on a stage with a clarinet. Oh, really? Yeah. Literally just solo? Yeah. Oh, cool. I've never seen yeah. that. I've never yeah. seen you do that. Where is that going to be? It's in uh, Vail, Colorado. It's part oh, of really? This, yeah. It's part of this uh, series that actually Asphalt did last year, Asphalt Orchestra, called um, Bravo Vail, 
um, and they're doing a series of solo performances, and so they asked me to do one of them. So, You're going to miss ski season. Yeah, so the interesting thing about being part of this summer festival, which I was last year and yeah. doing it again this year, um, is that they, you know, the way they describe it, it was always like, you know, Vail was always, you know, 90% about the winter mm-hmm. and then like whatever. You know? yeah. So they said, you know, when this first thing first started, and it's had actually quite a history of this festival, um, like the New York Philharmonic goes there, yeah. this kind of thing, you know, in their big concerts, um, is that the festival kind of got carte blanche and the city kind of ignored them. They're like, yeah, do whatever you want and we don't really care. And in the past few years, suddenly winter in Vail has not been quite what it has been that's so how it is all sudden, over the so place so suddenly it's interesting they're realizing that they need to be an all year town and not just a winter town every so ski every ski resort around the country has gotten less snow this year story yeah it's crazy like yeah. it, it almost seems like the world's getting warmer <laughs> like the globe is getting warmer somehow it's almost like that but we know better <laughs> than to correlate day to day weather from general right. climate change right that, Lest we get another tweet in chief. <laughs> Tweeter in chief. Yeah. What? It's cold today. I thought it was global warming. What? The Air Pressure Podcast brought to you by Capitalism. Best system in the world for peace, happiness, prosperity, life, love, liberty, freedom, all things people want for living, for happiness. Capitalism. Do it. It's interesting because like not all of Gut Bucket's catalog is there because some at least one of the labels we were working with was like was totally against streaming and so none of it wound up that wound up going up there. So it's this funny thing you'll see. I've seen that too because depending on who an artist is and who their label is, sometimes you know they'll have like one record on Spotify that's from 15 years ago. And I, while I understand that labels don't want to support right. things like Spotify, on the other hand, it's like if you're like, oh, what is you know, I've never heard of blah, blah, blah. Let me just Google that and Google them in Spotify, right? Let me look yeah. them up on Spotify. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and then you see like, oh, like there's this one record from like 15 years ago. And like, okay, I guess that's what they sound like. Yeah, you know, so. Right. It's so, a tricky world though, because yeah. do you want everything up there? I mean, it's good to have it up there. The payment schedule is insane. It's yeah. so minuscule. Well, it's just, you're just giving it, it's, you're giving it away. It's almost like you're giving it away. Yeah, it is. And then if people... Like if people want to pay you for the, your music, they got to go out of their way. They do. And some people do. I do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some sure. people do it. Yeah. And that's the way it is. And there's no reason to lament it because it is just the way it is. If anyone and, really gave a shit, I mean, I think Bandcamp is great. Yeah. You know? People love Bandcamp. Um, and I hope that that can continue for as long yeah. as possible because I think that makes a lot of sense. But all you need is just like a little donation box. You just need a little thing on Spotify or whatever, like... You know, hey, you like this, like, right. send, a, send a buck to the Imagine artist. Imagine if you know Spotify I mean? did that. That's a great idea. Yeah, but why, why would they do that? They're like, we'll take that buck. Yeah. You can suck sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for talking. Um, do you have any gigs coming up or anything happening? Not until June, I think. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of like, freelance stuff, basically. And the solo months, gig with the clarinet, that's in That is in Colorado. July in Colorado, yeah. yeah. My, my next thing, I'm, yeah. Kind of mid June, I'm going to do another sex type gig. Which I'm Where's that? To. Uh, TBA. TBA. I have, I have a band. I just don't have a venue. Okay, so. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, anyway, Ken. Thanks, man. This is fun. Is Appreciate there anything it. else that I didn't um, no. cover? Well, I think we're pretty good. You want to say something in German? No. <laughs> All right. Thanks, yeah. Ken. Yeah. Yeah.
That was my conversation with Ken Thompson. He's a mad, fantastic musician. I really love all the weird stuff that he puts out into the world and it continues to amaze me. And I'm also so thankful that we get to perform together and that he lends his talent to a lot of my recordings. Some of the songs in the episode were Fuck You and Your Hipster Tie by Gut Bucket, Dry Humping the American Dream by Gut Bucket, Lewis by Creedle, Something Against You by Asphalt Orchestra, Where Is My Mind by Asphalt Orchestra, The Forest Awakes by St. Vincent and David Byrne, Gene Takes a Drink by Bang on a Can, which is a reference to Gene the Cat, who is one of the best cats I ever met. There's a song written about a cat named Gene, who is the cat of Lori and Bill. So it was nice to hear that song. We had The Velocity of Love by the World Inferno Friendship Society. Hopefully this podcast will come out before the show, and I hope to see you all there. We also heard NRA Hole by Open Kimono, my band. All of these songs have, of course, Ken Thompson playing on them. We also heard In the Clear Water of the Fountain by Bad Reputation, which is my band. The outro music is More, More, Bigger, Better, Faster with Cheese by Gut Bucket. One last thing I want to say on this podcast is that I've yet to talk to someone who's really stands firmly on the side of you know the right, the conservative movement, and I welcome that opportunity at some point. So if somebody wants to come chat with me or even just call in and talk to me, as I try to make sense of what's going on with America, I've come to the conclusion that there are two different schools of thought going on in the right wing. There's one school of thought that says that American politics is like... Um, UFC, it's like ultimate fighting where there are no rules and just the whole point is to win so it doesn't really matter what the president does because he's just trying to win so those people love Trump because he's winning supposedly so if he tramples on the truth and on you know common sense and decency and shame and all that stuff it doesn't matter because he's winning he's just kicking the liberals asses okay that's one school of thought and then there's the other people who actually maybe believe what he's saying and think that he's telling the truth and that he's a good businessman and that he's, you know, the whole, all the stories about him are just conspiracies made up by the liberal media. Those are both cuckoo situations and I'd love to talk to you about it. If you feel that way, let's talk, man. Let's figure it out. Let's work it out. I really would love to chat with someone because we're flushing this beautiful country down the toilet which I came to in 1977 and which is turning into a kind of a nightmare for a lot of people so let's fix it man let's talk let's work it out in the meantime I'm going to keep making really good music come see my band Open Kimono I'm playing June 1st at Union Hall with two other great bands La Peche and C. Gibbs see you there and listen to this podcast and keep subscribing leave comments do all those social media things that you kids do and uh that way i can figure out who's listening and uh keep you know getting these amazing sponsors because it's all about the money money.